Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. On behalf of Pastors David and Nicole Binion, thank you for joining us today at the Dwell Church Podcast. For more information about Dwell Church, visit us at dwell.church. Now, let's listen to today's message. Uh, but it's going to be a great day. I am, uh, I was so glad when they said unto me, let us go to the house of the Lord. And especially this day, the birthday of our church, of the church of the living God, of uh, we've been in the church age for 2,000 years now, but the church was born on Pentecost Sunday. The term Pentecost comes from a Greek word that I'm not even going to try to pronounce. I'm not even sure what some of these letters are. But it's a Greek word that means 50th. It refers to the Jewish festival of Shabbat, celebrated on the 50th day after Passover. It's also known as the Feast of Weeks and the Feast of 50 Days in Rabbinic Tradition. Even though Tanner read this scripture at the beginning of service, I'm going to read it again because I've got it in my notes. Uh, and I want to read it because I want us to commemorate. Today we're talking, again, we're, we're continuing in our study of a prophetic people. Today uh, I'm going to talk about equipping the church. The title of my sermon is Equipping the Church, a Prophetic People. But the foundation of all prophetic ministry in the church today is found in this passage of Scripture. Now, there were Old Testament prophets, but the New Testament prophet era that we live in now, uh, it comes from this passage of Scripture, Acts chapter 2, and I'm going to read the whole thing. Well, I'm going to read at least 21 verses because I love the story. This is from the ESV. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at this sound, the multitude came together. At this sound, the sound of a mighty rushing wind. At this sound, the multitude came together and they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, are not all these who are speaking Galileans? How is it that we hear each of us in our own native language? Parthians and 
Medes and Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia, Judah and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia. Prisia, Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene and visitors from Rome both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians, we hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. And all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others mocking said, they are filled with new wine. But Peter, standing with the 11, lifted up his voice and addressed them. Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give ear to my words. For these people are not drunk, as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day. But this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. In King James, it says, this is that. Everybody say, this is that. This is that. This is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. And in the last days, it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Now, let me just back up and start there again. This is what was uttered through the prophet. The beginning, the birthday of the church is built on this prophetic word from Joel, from Joel 2.28. And in the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh and your sons and your daughters shall, say it, prophesy and your young men shall see visions and your old men shall dream dreams even on my male servants and female servants in those days I will pour out my spirit and they shall prophesy and I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below blood and fire and vapor of smoke the sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the day of the Lord comes the great and magnificent day and it shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved The whole foundation of the church, of the church as, that we are a part of, is found, built upon this prophetic word. We are a prophetic people from day one. We're still, the last days, according to Peter's declaration, the last days began when the church was born, and we're still in the last days. It's called the church age. We are a prophetic people. So, I want to share a song with you before I move forward. Is that okay? Now, I'm not going to sing it. You're disappointed that it wasn't going to be me, right? But my friend Mitch Wong wrote a song called Pentecost.
and I was listening. It just just came out back in April. If I was very prophetic at all, I would have thought to learn the song and sing it with the crew today, but I didn't think about it until Saturday. And we rehearsed on Tuesday. Uh, so do y'all have the lyrics as well, Cole? No lyrics? Did I not send the lyrics? Okay, you're just going to have to pay attention. I want you to hear this song. Are y'all ready to play it? Let's go. It's called Pentecost. starts out, make this your upper room. Turn it up. Make this your upper room. Take your time. We'll wait on you. Make this your upper room. One heart, one, one accord. want to hear the rest, you can go to Spotify or Apple Music and, uh, and hear the whole song. I want to prophesy this to you. This is not the sermon yet, but I just want to give you, in the spirit of being a prophetic people, I want to give you a word today. A shift is coming to the United States. There is a shift that is going to release multiple movements of the Holy Ghost that are about to be released upon the earth. To be released upon 
this nation. It'll be non-negotiable. This next move will not be a soft, backboned, fearful, intimidated movement, movement of preachers afraid to tell the truth. God is raising up a remnant of men and women who will stand flat-footed and preach the gospel, preach the Bible as it is written. And an anointing is going to be released across America that will bring the real revival that we've waited on. Enough of this hyper-grace hell-sent movement that has told people they can live any way they want and do anything they want. It's not in the Bible. It's never been in the book. It's still not in the book. There are several places in the book that talk about the ability to lose your way. Sell your birthright for a pot of stew. This nation is suffering from a twisted immorality, wicked sexual perversion, and they're grooming our children to turn the next several generations into men and women who are bound, possessed, and immoral. Preachers have been reduced to not speaking the truth, telling it like it is. We've been race baited. We've been politically baited. The devil has thrown everything he can to divide the church. But the real church is rising up for an unparalleled outpouring that all of us are sensing. The vibrations are in the air. The atmosphere is charged with expectancy and anticipation for those of us who are searching and seeking. Choose your friends carefully. Choose your relationships carefully. Hang out with faith people. If they're not presence-driven people, we'll let them go do their own thing. But make a choice to surround yourself with the right people. Find your people in a common pursuit. There is a people out of a people stepping into a move that is not coming, it's already upon us. And we don't want to miss it. Now let's talk about equipping the church. Y'all ready? Uh, so this word equip, I remember, uh, I, before I dive into the scripture, uh, to understand being equipped to do something. When I got married to Nicole, her dad, Ed Power, one of the first things he bought me for Christmas, our first Christmas was the tool chest. I still have the tool chest. And, and, and he put a lot of tools in there. And every year he would buy more tools and more tools and, and different 
different items that I didn't have a clue what to do with. But he, he was equipping me for random odd jobs I might need to do around the house. I remember our first little townhome that we lived in uh, when we were still at the church uh, as worship pastors together for our first three years of marriage. We lived in this little townhouse. And uh, uh, I was trying to hang this little shelf in the kitchen. And it was our first really big fight. Because I got it up on the wall and it was a little crooked. And so I didn't know what to do. So I just kind of got an extra little nail and, and lifted it a little bit and knocked it into the wall just to kind of hold it in place so it would be parallel. And she says, just forget it. I'm going to call my dad. And I says, no, you're not. <laughs> I'm equipped. <laughs> and it fell off. Just, it wouldn't, it wouldn't, maybe 10 minutes, the thing fell off the wall. The candle was on it. It was burning. Uh, we had to go buy another candle. And I had a bitter party of one on the other side of the kitchen. Did we ever call your dad to come get that right? No, I think, I think, I think she gave up and just. <laughs> so. So he was an electrician by trade. And so when we built the house that we're in in McKinney now, almost nine years ago, nine, has it been nine years? Uh, he would do all of this electric work and I would go with him. Every time he's doing some, any kind of chore, I have to watch everything that he does because it's always a lesson because he's equipping me. He's equipping me. And so uh, and I remember he bought this little pack of, I don't even know what you call them. They're yellow and you twist them, the little little things, and you twist them when, when you do electrical work, you put the wires together, and you put that, what do you call it? How do you know, Janelle? <laughs> You've also been equipped. <laughs> and you would twist the wires together, and that would secure it. And so I remember when you bought a pack, I'm like, I'm never going to need those. But I remember that uh, just... The, the last year of his life, uh, we they were they were quarantined in Chicago, and and uh, and I was having a problem at home. The fluorescent lights went out in the laundry room, so I got new fluorescent bulbs and changed them. It's not working, and so uh, I call Ed, who equips me, <laughs> and so now. This is the first time I ever tried to do anything like this on my own. But I got the ladder, I went up to the thing and it took the bulbs out and he it was instructing me, there's this little piece of metal you're gonna need to like, it that will come off and it's gonna reveal this, it's this little plate that connects to the power. I don't know what it's called, Janelle. Do you know what? <laughs> it's just, it's this little, this little plate that I've never, I've never, Ever, ever, I've changed a lot of light bulbs, but I never had to change fluorescent lights. And so there's this little plate that was underneath a piece of metal, and he starts instructing me how to do this. And I'm like, right, right. So I'm not sure I want to do this. And so I'm like, okay, let me FaceTime you. So I FaceTime him, and I put the phone on the top of the ladder, right 
where it's showing the work I'm about to do. And I'm standing up on this ladder and I'm, uh, I'm taking the wires and they have those little yellow twisty things already up there. And so I pull them off and, and, and I get, get a new plate and replace it. But, but I, w- I felt confident that I was doing it right because I could hear his voice. I couldn't see his face because I needed to position the phone so that he could see what I was doing. But as long as I could hear his voice, my confidence began to rise. Are you getting the picture? Are you getting as long prophecy has everything to do with the ability to hear his voice? If you can posture yourself, if you can position your FaceTime with Jesus just at the right place so that you can hear his voice, you will be able to step into your prophetic call as long as you can hear the voice. Okay, y'all ready to go? I made that up all by myself. <laughs> I'm sorry, that was dumb. Um, thank you, thank you. When we use the word prophet, we've already established in the previous weeks, there's a gift of prophecy. And there is a spirit of prophecy. Spirit of prophecy is kind of more a general thing. And it's like we we talked about how Saul sent men to kill David. He's with the prophet Samuel and when they get to where David and Samuel are, the 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 people sent to kill him start prophesying because they get in the atmosphere of the prophetic. And they're not coming back. So Saul sends another camp of of uh people assigned to do the deed and when they get there they get near the spirit of prophecy and they start prophesying they they're not prophets but they began to prophesy because they got in the spirit of prophecy and finally Saul gave up and he said I'm just going to go do this myself and he shows up and he gets in close proximity and then Saul begins to prophesy and they said is Saul among the prophets too So there's a difference in being a prophet and the gift of prophecy and then the spirit of prophecy. Ephesians, the fourth chapter, starting with verse 8, says this. Therefore it says, when he ascended on high, this, this, very verse right here uh, is where we get the term ascension gifts. We call, uh, I'll, I'll read all of this, then I'll come back to that. When he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended, what does it mean but that he had also descended into the lower regions, the earth? He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. And this is what his ascension accomplished. And he gave the apostles, I'll start with the thumb, 
Every, any, any good preacher I've ever heard describe this, always the apostle is the thumb. Apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds are pastors and teachers to, say this with me, equip the saints. Say it, equip the saints. For the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. He gave some to be apostles. We're not talking about apostles today. That's a different discussion altogether. Uh, I could stop and talk about it. I think I've talked about apostles early on when we first launched the church, but he gave some to be evangelists and pastors and teachers. Most groups of people don't have a problem with evangelists and pastors and teachers. Apostles and prophets, sometimes they're not too sure about. In fact, some say they no longer exist. Obviously, through this teaching, we believe here at Dwell, we believe that prophets were meant to be in the church throughout the church age in the last days. But a prophet or someone with the gift of prophecy ministers from time to time giving a word in a church, but that doesn't make them a prophet. God might, might move on. I, I, I told you a few weeks ago when I was eight or nine years old uh, that I felt like the Lord gave me an interpretation of tongues and and uh, I, I didn't give it because I was just nine. I, I, but someone else gave the exact words the Lord had given me. And uh, just because you hear his voice doesn't automatically make you a prophet. I could meddle. Because we've had people, I will tell you, we've had people during the first three years of this church, it would come and try to give me a word. And it might, may have been a word, but they came in a wrong spirit and invalidated what they were saying. And I had to make the call to not allow the word to be spoken. Just because you get a word doesn't make you a prophet. What is a prophet? Well, let's, let's, let me try to uh, give you the difference. Let's, let's take a look at a pastor. There are a lot of people who can teach the Bible, teach a lesson, teach a class, develop some kind of teaching, but that doesn't make them a teacher or a pastor just because they're able to share a lesson from the Bible. These titles, these callings are identified as someone's life calling. People, it becomes obvious that it becomes someone's life calling when they step into uh, being a pastor. You can see uh, on them that they're marked with this love for people. 
they have a shepherd's heart. And, and I've, I've, seen, I've seen young people care about everyone they come in contact with. And it's, it's evident that a pastor's touch is upon them. And sometimes you, you have to, uh, they may not fall, they may not follow that throughout their life and step into being a pastor, but they have the characteristics of being a pastor. You can look at a pastor and say, that's his calling. You can look, that's his vocation. God has anointed him and appointed him to be a pastor or an elder or a shepherd. It's the same thing with a prophet. A prophet is someone who has a pronounced marking, gifting in the area of prophecy. With wisdom and maturity and character, it becomes obvious that it's their calling. I know people who travel and minister. That is their calling. That's what they do. We have guests that come to dwell every year specifically to prophesy. We invite them here because they're prophets. Malik Edwards is, is a good example. How many of you were here when he came last year? And he... So here's, here's, here's the deal. It's, it's, it's one thing for me to get to know you and have an understanding or, or, or recognize something on you uh, and, and speak a word to someone and bring a word of encouragement because I am knowing you by the flesh. I'm getting close enough, building a relationship, and I can see things on you. And, and that still can be a prophetic gifting. But when someone comes outside of your world, into your world, and starts prophesying and nailing every person getting it right, you're like, okay, we can recognize this man is a prophet. You, you a prophet, Nicosa. I would not invite someone to this church who calls himself a prophet if they don't have a pastor or are not planted in a local church. But we invite people in their ministry. Hank Kuhneman is, a, is another one who came, was it at our last anniversary, 2020, he came in. Um, Layla was laying out some words. Of, you know, we, I, didn't, I didn't even know that she was going to be prophetic. We just knew uh, the touch of God was on her, and she was an incredible speaker, and she's coming back next month again. But she came in here. But, but one of those things, it's just like when you get into the atmosphere of the prophetic, you start prophesying. Yes. So I want to talk to you uh, about 10 things that prophets do to equip the church. You ready? I want to read this passage of scripture. Okay. Uh, I, I read earlier, he ascended on high, but he gave, as he ascended, he gave, we, he gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, teachers, 
yeah, past pastors. Okay, let me see. I'm going to try to remember this. There is the apostolic, the the which is kind of uh, a fathering person who can oversee multiple ministries, multiple churches, uh, uh, an apostle. Prophets, the reason they use the, this, the pointing finger is that they give direction. Prophets give direction, but the apostle has the ability to touch the prophetic. Then evangelists, they use the third finger. It's the longest finger. They uh, have f- uh, a far reach in their ministry. And then the the pastors rep- are represented with the ring finger that speaks of relationship. And then the van- then the teacher, I don't know what that means. <laughs> except except the, the apostle has the ability to touch all of these. They're they're interconnected. These are called ascension gifts, okay? If you hear us talk about ascension gifts, it's the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and whatever they are, teachers. (laughs) No, I know they're teachers. What does a prophet do that's different than a teacher? How do these gifts differ? Okay, number one, uh, the first thing, the first way prophets equip the church. Number one is found in 1 Timothy, the fourth chapter, verses 14 and 15. Number one, by giving word to war a good warfare. I'm going to read this passage. First Timothy, fourth chapter, do not neglect the gift you have. This is Paul talking to Timothy. Do not neglect the gift you have, which was given you by prophecy. When the council of elders laid their hands on you, practice these things, immerse yourself in them so that all may see your progress. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 18, he says this. Paul says this to Timothy. This charge I entrust to you, Timothy, my child, in accordance with the prophecies previously made about you, that by them you may wage the good warfare. By these prophecies, you may wage the good warfare. Paul is speaking about prophecy spoken over Timothy and said, by them, wage a good warfare. Say that, wage a good warfare. Use them to war. I'll give you some examples. Uh, I remember back in uh, 2001, we were given this prophetic word that we were instructed to tap into the sound of heaven and we would release a sound in the earth that had never been released and that hundreds of thousands would come to the sound, would respond to the sound of heaven. And uh, this just incredible word that it was an assignment, a mandate for us to, and we were stretching ourselves. We were stepping out of the typical 
kind of church music and began to, uh, we didn't even really fully understand that we were becoming prophetic worshipers. But we were listening to a voice and singing what we heard. And we called that the sound of heaven. And uh, there's there's many scriptures I could take you to with that word. And so there, it, during that prophetic word, uh, there was this thing spoken saying that we this would be so far reaching this music that we were writing and would, would release would be would reach thousands and thousands and thousands of people so we obey the word we raise money to record and uh it was captured we released it and sold about 7000 albums i'm like god what about the word what, what about the word? So, so we just kept contending. We contended all of 2002, all of 2003, all of 2004, and then about in 2005, we decided, okay, uh, let's, it's, God's given us new music. Let's write music for a new album. And so we did, and uh, we released it. It came out, and we were scheduled to come to Dallas and uh, we didn't even know Juanita Bynum. I don't know how she knew us, but we got a call from TBN. The prophetess wants you to be on TBN with her. <laughs> and so we said, okay. And so when we gathered, just like we always do, we would give them our list of songs from a new album that we wanted to promote. And so, so we gave them the list to the producers, and they came back a few minutes later and said, uh, the prophetess wants you to sing this song and this song and gave us four songs from that album that we did five years before. We're like, okay. And we started the show and they brought us on. It was, this is when TBN still did two hour shows. They brought us on at the end of the first hour to sing our first song and the glory of God wrecked that studio we're singing this song and I look over and we're finished and Juanita is hosting the program and she's on her face on the floor beside her chair and I'm like, what am I supposed to do? And, and so it's, it's not that I was awkward about leading people in the presence. It's just, I'm like, this is TV. And, and so uh, we, we went, somehow we navigated our way through and did uh, the, the other songs. And literally for the next hour, we're worshiping and people are snotting everywhere. <laughs> it was, this was such an incredible move. And so we go home. The way they did the shows in those days, they would record it and, and get it edited and then release it the next day, 24 hours later. And so we get back home to Nashville and we watch it come on and we're like, oh, it was just, it, we blessed ourselves. Uh, <laughs> and then when the show was over, I got my laptop and opened it up and I see these notifications like, in a second, over a thousand emails requesting to buy our new album from our from off of our website. In 24 hours, more than 20,000 CDs were purchased, and I only had 700 in my garage. 
it became, here's, here was this prophecy that we waged war for, that we contended for, that we didn't give up on and didn't think that wasn't a prophetic word because it didn't come true, but we held on to the promise and fought for it. And then when we had moved on to the next thing in our recording, we were requested to do what we had released. And suddenly we're like, this, this whole world t just came, uh, just, it was just, it, our world became crazy. It was so nuts trying to keep up with the favor. We couldn't, we, any airport we would walk into, people that we never saw would come running up to us, David and Nicole Binion, I saw you on TBM with Ronita Bynum. And we're like, hi, <laughs> uh, well, I'm not used to this. Uh, and it was like, I, I, it was so overwhelming that I was like, okay, I got to just like concentrate on carpool, getting the kids to school and not getting so heady and letting this become, get inside of me and cause me to get puffed up. I, I, that's the last thing I want to do. Uh, but it, it, this, this was a word that it, it really took us and thrust us to the nations of the world. And one night, a prophetic word was fulfilled because we refuse to give up. We have other, we have other uh, prophecies that we still do warfare with. We've, you know, I, you've heard us talk about the worship ranch. Uh, we've had prophetic words that God was going to use us to, uh, to have a ranch that worshipers could come and, and retreat and we could pour into and pour into it, then send them home to their churches on fire. And I don't know how that's going to happen, but I contend for it. I don't give up. I don't, I don't want to have a ranch with a nice house so I can brag about where I live. I am just simply believing and obeying and stepping into as God opens it up. So uh, that's one of the ways you give a word to war a good warfare. Okay, number two. Number two, this is number two how prophets equip the church. Commissioning of ministry. Acts 13, verses 1 through 3. Now, there were in the church at Antioch prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, that's Simon Peter, who was called, no, that's not Simon Peter, Simeon, who was called Niger. I don't know how to say that either. Lucius of Cyrene, Menaean, a lifelong friend of Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. This was before Saul was an apostle. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, how did the Holy Spirit say? Through prophecy. The Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. This was... This happened before Paul went through any of his traveling. Saul, who became Paul. <laughs> this is before he traveled anything. The prophets commissioned him and sent him into his ministry. That's, 
that's what happens when the, the number two thing uh, that I'm sharing with you, the way prophets can equip the church by commissioning. Everything I do today, I have been commissioned by pastors, prophets, preachers. Everything I'm doing and everything I intend to do, anything I have done. Number three, the third thing, prophets, uh, they equip the church with prediction of future events and prophetic warnings. Acts 21, verses 10 and 11, while we were staying for many days, a prophet named Agabus came down from Judea and coming to us, he took Paul's belt and bound his own feet and hands and said, thus says the Holy Spirit, this is how the Jews at Jerusalem will bind the man who owns this belt and deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. And that's exactly what happened. Paul didn't shriek back. He didn't, he, he didn't run from it. But this was a prophetic warning of something that would come to pass. Acts 20, verse 23, except that the Holy Spirit testifies to me in every city that imprisonment and, and afflictions await me. Paul is telling us that imprisonment and afflictions await him on his journey. Acts Verse 11, chapter 11, sorry, verse 28. And one of them named Agabus, here's Agabus, this prophet, stood up and foretold by the spirit that there would be a great famine over all the world. This took place in the days of Claudius. So you see, prophets predict the future. Okay, the fourth thing, number four, they confirm and strengthen local churches with prophetic revelation. Acts 15, verse 32. And Judas and Silas, who were themselves prophets. I never knew that until I started digging in this. Paul and Silas, now Silas is named right here with Judas, who were themselves prophets, encouraged and strengthened the brothers with many words. We're strengthened and encouraged with many prophetic words. Okay, number five. They model the prophetic office before others so as to magnify the glory of God in the church. First Corinthians 14, 26, when a prophet models mature and seasoned ministry, they bless the body to the glory of God. So, so this is the scripture. What then, brothers, when you come together, each one has a hymn, a lesson, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. Let all things be done for building up. Number six, they inspire others to follow after the call of God by demonstrating a godly lifestyle. I'll give you an example. I, I think I shared this before, but when... Tommy Tenney came to our church 
where Nicole and I were on staff and the glory of God broke out for the first time, like uh, that changed us forever. Uh, I remember that after that first night, um, he was staying over at the pastor's house. He had a large house and uh, I invited myself over because I just wanted to be in the room where he was to see what kind of, I, I, didn't, I didn't ask to talk. I, I just wanted to be present so that I could watch a man who had clearly been near the face of Jesus. And I just, it's, I just wanted to be close. I just, I, I found myself throughout life just wanting to get to rooms when my mom and dad would be with preachers. I would hide around the corner and listen to their conversation because I was so intrigued and interested. Prophets, men of God, inspire others to follow after the call of God by demonstrating a godly lifestyle. Uh, number seven, prophets guard the sheep by ministering prophetic discernment. I'm gonna read from Acts 20, starting with verse 25. Prophets may warn you about divisive people in your church. We've had prophetic people, especially in our first year, warn us about those. There were some who were just looking for a platform. And we, we have guests come in and say, I, I think you should be careful with them. I sense something on them. And we paid attention. Here's the passage of scripture. Acts 20 starting in verse 25. And now behold, I know that none of you among whom I have gone about proclaiming the kingdom will see my face again. Therefore, I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all, for I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. Yeah. I'm not even going to break that down. Number eight, prophets equip the church by discerning and breaking off spiritual attack and oppression. They're able to see spiritually, discern and sense what is happening in the spirit. Vanessa, never, never hold back because every time you brought a word to us of warning or concern, it was always right. It was just always right. We, we, there, there are people among us. We have elders. Lisa, 
and Steve, Daryl, Diane, Kathy. Kathy. Kathy is quiet, but when she does open her mouth, it, she comes, she, she's, it comes with a punch. <laughs> and we, we have these people that speak, encourage, warn, can see in other people. See, I think everybody loves me. And, and I don't want to see that someone may have an ulterior motive. But we have people surrounding us that say, I think maybe you should look. And I always look. Number nine, two more, and then we'll be done. Guess what? Pastors don't have all the gifts. That's why we need other people to help us see. Number nine, they reveal, confirm, and activate ministries and callings and in individual believers. In both First and Second Timothy, Paul, Paul was a big believer in prophecy. He points back, I said it at the beginning, to the prophetic words that were spoken over Timothy's life. Those words indicate to the leader in this case, Paul, that certain people have a specific call on their life, whether it's ministry or otherwise. There are young Timothys in this house today. You might as well know that. And I've got my eye on you. I feel like God, one of my reasons uh, for being in the ministry is to pour into young Timothys. I see you. I, I will just tell you, uh, my heart, a few few weeks ago at morning prayer, I felt the Lord say, I want you to start a young Timothy's ministry. So I, I don't know when I'm going to do that, but I know I heard his voice. And so uh, I'm, I don't even pretend to be Paul. I'm David. I'm David Binion, but I've walked with God. And, uh, and he's assigned me to you. So it's going to be a, a, a good ride. Number 10, the final, the final one. Prophets can bring prophetic warnings and admonition to keep the believer and the church from straying. God can give prophetic warnings to people that others haven't discerned. I've had prophetic people in my life could see me potentially moving in the wrong direction and would come and bring correction yeah. and say, you need, you, you, I'm just, I, I, this, this is a warning. And uh, I, I wouldn't get defensive because I would sense the heart of God in the word. I'm like, okay, okay, yeah. all right, I'll, I'll, I'll back up. I feel like, you know, I just want to be myself. Well, sometimes being yourself could get you in trouble. And so I, I listen to these warnings. It's not to just find people in the flock that might be trouble. How about something? I, I, I invite people into my life. We have several men, several pastors that have permission to yank our necks and set us straight if they see us stepping in the wrong direction. 
final thoughts, and then I'll wrap this up. It's 11.57. Look what I did. Okay, so don't brag before you finish your final thoughts, Dave. Yes, Van, go ahead and start playing, then it's like official. As we said from the first day when we started speaking about a prophetic people, I said on that first day, it was Mother's Day when Nicole started, had the first Sunday. I said that this is what I believe. As we begin to cultivate and dig into the prophetic, in so doing will come activation. Cultivation will activate those of us, activate many of us. We are a prophetic people. You may not ever function in the office of a prophet, but you can get around the prophetic and, and hear the voice of God. And it may not be for the body. It could be just for you. It could just be a developing ear learning how to hear his voice for specific direction in your life. Just because God speaks to you doesn't mean we have to learn and mature and know that it's not just because we hear his voice that means, well, we have to step up and tell the whole church. It takes maturity to find your way through that. So having said all of that, we are just the messengers. I picked that up and didn't even get a drink. Don't ever try to force what the Lord has shown you. We're here to serve the body, not build our ministry. The anointing is always sweet. It's never harsh. In ministering prophetically, your first concern is making sure your spirit is right, that you have a servant's heart, and that you are coming under leadership. You're not there to command or demand that pastors do anything. Submit your word and allow those who are in authority to govern and lead as they see fit. Okay? It's 12 o'clock. The end. You know, I really don't care about it being 12 o'clock. Honestly, I really, I, I, I want to be aware and respect people's schedule and, and, uh, but I really want him more than anything. And, and if, if the glory of God sweeps in a room, whether we're singing or whether we're preaching, I'm here for the glory, not to come and impress you with a word or with the high note on the end of a song. But our heart is to touch people, not make a name for ourselves, not to impress anybody with our giftings. We're here to build the people of God up to equip the church. Uh, hope, I hope that you hear an invitation to step into a prophetic ministry. Being, I, 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 I just, you know, our heart is to even have a prophetic ministry in the church. And there are certain ones that we already see the gift at work. And, and if you're, God ever gives you a word and we have the team in place, well, it's just like you're the, the, 
the protocol would be go to one of the people on the prophetic team and submit the word and don't think just because he gives you a word today that it's got to be delivered today. If you're not the apostle or the the prophet or the pastor or the teacher or the evangelist, it's okay. Just God can speak to you. And just like when I was nine years old, he spoke to me, but it wasn't my role to step up and declare it. He, when he speaks, he speaks. It, it's, it's interesting when God will speak a word to a church and we travel a lot and God will say something in this city and we'll go over here on the other side of the nation and God said the exact same thing to those people because when he speaks, he speaks to all of us. When he has something to say to his church, he says it to his church. So many of us might pick up on it. So don't get offended if we don't allow you to take the mic and declare it. All right? Are you with me? All right. I'm now. Uh, I'm, Can I help you close? Because I, I just was feeling something. And um, as we're, because I think we're closing, right? We are done. Um, I already said that. It was so good. Such a great word. And I just was feeling in worship earlier. And then when you were talking about waging a warfare with a word that's spoken. And we were singing earlier about the promises of God. And, um and believing that we will see what's been spoken. And I just, so I just felt like, um, why don't you, why don't y'all stand to your feet? It's not official that we're closing unless everyone's standing. Um, and I just, um, want Pastor David to just pray over us. And I, I just feel like, um, telling you that, and I'm, and I've been feeling this this week over just some words that have been spoken over us and over dwell, um, to, I want to encourage you to step out and do something this week that's a step toward a promise, a prophetic promise that's been spoken to you. It might be just, I don't know what it looks like, um, but I think between you and the Holy Spirit, you can kind of determine maybe what, what that well, might look like for I you. Can I just kind of give an example of that? Because I, this is what I appreciate. Uh, we received a prophetic word couple months ago, uh, I was on uh, a Facebook Live. I, I was fl just flipping through and Malik was doing a live. And so I popped on and he said, David Binion. And then he says, the word of the Lord to you is, and he just started. And I was like, oh, I didn't get on because I thought I was going to get a word. But he prophesied that we would have lines of people standing outside to, to get in this, this, to get in, to get in this building. And so I shared that with different ones. And Janelle, every time I have a conversation with her, she she is reiterating when the people are lining up. Yeah. It, she makes it part of the conversation. I don't know if she does it on purpose or what. It, it just comes. I don't know what she does, how she does it, but she always brings that in the conversation. Yeah. We got to be ready when the people start lining up. And so, so that's how you do it. You hang on to a word yes. and you just make it part of your conversations. Yes. That's how you wage the warfare yeah. by putting the words in your mouth. Yeah. So good. So don't lose hope. Be encouraged. It could be a word over a, a family member, a loved one who maybe is a prodigal right now. And it could have been years since you heard a word spoken over that the word spoken over them, that they would come home uh, to, to the Lord. It could be anything. I don't know, but I just want to say, don't lose hope. Take a step this week of faith. It, get it on in, in your mouth and and let's believe together that we are gonna see the promises of God fulfilled yes, yes, um, yes, yes. in our day. We're gonna see it. Um, so will you, will you pray that?
Yes, yes. Father, I thank you for the word. I thank you for the direction you've been given us. Your, your word says that the steps of a righteous man are ordered of the Lord. And we believe that what we've been walking in these last few weeks, stepping into this understanding of being a prophetic people, that our steps have been ordered to take this journey. And so, God, we just impart. We impart the spirit of prophecy. We impart uh, the promises of, of that you've been speaking through different ones over our house. Uh, the, any one of us that are a part of this house have received their own words from other people. Lord, we embrace the promise. We embrace the promise and we repeat the promise. We put those words in our mouth and we say it again. It may be in our prayer life. It may say, God, this is what was spoken, I mean, and I'm contending for it. God, I'm believing for it. Or, or, God, it becomes a part of our conversation today while we're at lunch with someone. It could just be, I can't wait to see those people lining up to get in the building. Just make it part of our conversation. Let prophetic, let the prophetic come alive in us. In Jesus' name. Thank you for joining us today at the Dwell Church Podcast. For more information about Dwell Church, visit us at dwell.church.